This is Will Sterling, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. for joining us for another episode of the pod if you haven't heard we are now releasing new episodes once a week and your support is more important than ever so make sure to catch our latest chats with guests like degrassi alum andrea lewis one of my favorite youtubers nick deramio and casting agent robin cass who among her many credits casted over 30 seasons of big brother us and canada girl and our guest today has quite the resume himself. He's done a lot behind the scenes, producing things like The Dennis Miller Show, being the on-air producer for podcasts like Brandy Glanville Unfiltered and Straight Talk with Ross Matthews, the latter being one of my main motivations to quit my job at IHOP and become a full-time artist, as all of you kids listening know, and many more in his time at Podcast One and beyond. He's also an actor you can see most recently on American Crime Story, Impeachment, Blackish, and Pam and Tommy, as well as listened to on his new podcast, History Rated R. I welcome Will Sterling. Hello. Hello. I, I very rarely, and in fact, never get an introduction that sounds anything like that. So thank you. That's what I'm here for, Will. <laughs> now, before we get... And I have to... Oh, I was going to say, I have to say, listen to your podcast... I'm very jealous. You have such a you have such a wonderfully dynamic hosting voice that uh, it makes for easy listening. Thank you. You know, uh, <laughs> I never know where someone's going to be whenever they're listening to the pod, so I want them to be comfortable. And uh, so I put it on a little bit, but this is basically just me. You know, I like it. So before we really jump into things, tell us from where in the world you're calling and uh, what's your environment right now. I'm currently in Long Beach, California. Um, where I'm living for a year while my spouse is at uh, is in grad school out in Cambridge in Massachusetts, so we're doing a little long distance. But uh, the environment here is sunny and in the 70s, so I can't really complain too much. It's a it's it's a nice place to be. Now I've never been. How are the beaches there? They're good. By me, it's like it's not surfing beaches. There's like little to no waves. It's just like very relaxing, like family little beaches. So it's cool, but I got my, as soon as I moved here, I was like, I guess I have to buy a paddleboard now. That's what I do. Cause I apparently that's what you do when you live by the, the water. So I take the paddleboard out every once in a while, go around the uh, Naples Island and stuff like that. And it's great. That's nice. I love that. I, I've never been paddleboarding. So, okay. You're putting a few things <laughs> had, on my list. Yeah. I had not either, but I just bought one on Amazon and I just figured it out. So let's let's dive into, you know, the good stuff, why, why we're here. Um, you know, I want to really get into what you got going on now because I've been binging History Rated R that you host with uh, former presidential speechwriter Craig Smith. But, mm. you know, I always say to get to the present, we have to go to the past, you know, and doing research. Uh, so for everyone listening, I was introduced to Will when I was listening to Straight Talk with Ross Matthews. He was the producer there and kind of like this ominous voice that would pop in. And 
and Ross would have fun with. And, um, you know, he was like such a light on the show. But in doing my research, you know, I had no idea what you did before that, Will, mm. to, to be honest. Yeah. And so okay. um, looking into some of your acting stuff, you know, your musical talents and, uh, you know, working for people like Dennis Miller on his show. When I was doing my research, oh, my God, when I heard the Dennis Miller intro song it brought back such random memories i I was like wait i guess i listened to a lot of this show and a lot of will's work interesting i didn't yeah i worked for dennis i got once i graduated college i went to cal state long beach so i've kind of moved back here for a year but i graduated in 2010 and started as an in um not intern uh uh, a pa you know production assistant at westwood one radio and then the associate producer position opened up on Dennis's show and I got that gig and I was there. I think I was with the show for like four and a half years. Um, and it was fun, you know, like I, I was doing stand up a lot at the time. I did stand up on and off for about seven years. Um, and so Dennis, you know, Den- despite the political opinion differences, right. um, you know, and and his attitude sometimes was still a, I, I consider him genuinely like one of one of the best stand up minds um, of the past, you know, 50 years, just because it's so, the references he makes are so insane and so random, but uh, it's exactly my kind of humor that like only a handful of people will get this joke, but when you do, you fucking really get it. And it's like 10 times more funny. So it was fun to work with him and kind of see how his, how his brain operated. And I do love, I mean, uh, personally for myself, I, I'm very much here for, um, to work alongside or or you, you know um be here with the people that i don't necessarily agree with agree with fundamentally on everything right mm-hmm. and yeah. so I, i'm sure you've come across that in in uh, different parts of your career especially right now with your podcast history rated r as we're going to mention about 50 times because i want everyone to listen <laughs> to it y'all i've been, i've been listening to the episodes and i've had such a good time um really diving in with you to what Craig has to say, but we'll get into that a little later. But um, so when did you start your career at podcast one and how did that come about? That was April, 2015. I just did the math the other day. I was there for just over six years. Um, But so Dennis's show ended and my former boss who'd hired me as a PA at Westwood one had moved to podcast one, Norm Pattis, who started Westwood one, then started podcast one she went with him and when Dennis's show ended Dennis just didn't want to renew so he was he was just done doing the show so it just sort of naturally ended and uh we ran a bunch of best of shows for like a month and we were like I don't know what we're gonna do and only within a couple hours after getting the call that like the show was officially done my former boss Stacy um who had moved to a podcast one called me and was like hey I heard you're you're free up and we could use a producer at podcast one it was very fortunate and I'm glad that she believed that I was good at work <laughs> because <laughs> as soon as she learned that Dennis's show was over, she emailed me immediately and was like, I want you to come work here. So it, that's not, you know, always the norm. Sometimes it's hard to find a new gig, especially going from radio, which a lot of people feel is kind of a dead medium. I mean, podcasting is really the new radio. So, right. um, but at the time in 2015, it was still this like baby industry. And it was interesting to be able to, be in podcasting and sort of witness witness its its infancy really, um, and be along with it up until the point where big studios were getting involved, and then that's when I got out. But uh, um, yeah, it was really uh, just somebody who liked me, who remembered my work, and and wanted to hire me. So I was very lucky. 
And so that time in 2015, that's right when you started at Ross. Am I right? Yeah, I want to say that I so that was April. I started with Ross. I think that summer, you know, like maybe July or August or something like that. I had taken it over temporarily. I was just supposed to fill in on two shows in the booth, and the first time they all came in and met me, you know, Ross immediately that the the dynamic that we had on the show started right away. <laughs> so the jokes were this like you know the sexy new uh, fill-in producer Will Sterling in the booth there, um, and then you know I had fun with them and Rich, who was producing it at the time, was like, "Hey, I can't actually." I don't have the bandwidth to keep going and everybody really likes you. So do you want to stay with the show? And I was like, of course. And that opened up a lot of um, doors for fun, but also to, you know, my, um, the way that I looked at content and the way that I looked at my relationships in terms of, of content. So it was, uh, I was, again, that's another fortunate show to have been a part of. You know, I, I love that you went from a situation on the Dennis Miller show, which has a bunch of levity along with the news, but then you go into a show that, you know, you're really going to lean into a chaotic, comedic situation. And mm-hmm. I love that you just spoke about how you kind of found value in, I, I'm assuming, the unscripted, really just wildness that was the, the show with Ross. Yeah, well, I like I said, I did stand up for many years and I did improv too. And I studied at UCB. And so I'm I'm perfectly fine with everything off the cuff. And uh, the energy of it, too, it was also at a tough time. I think that there's a degree to which the content of those episodes and some of that stuff on the show. I don't know if it's that it couldn't fly now. It's just that we look at things a little differently in terms of sensitivity to material. And 2015 was still a time where I think Ross felt like he could say whatever he wanted. And coming from a comedy background, I didn't care. And I, if I thought something was funny, I leaned into it. You know, like my my ego is not so thin that I was worried that I was going to, you know, get uh, bullied or something was going to happen. Um, and I feel very comfortable, you know, in, in, in those kinds of scenarios and those kinds of, that kind of humor. Not that I want to, you know, perpetuate anything that's technically problematic, but I, I do know that like looking back on it now, like, we got away with some stuff humor-wise then that I don't know if we could get away with today. But that's part of the fun of it. You know, that's part of the fun of those memories. You know, we're we're going as we go. And, yeah, so I hear you on all of that. Um, and you know, what's interesting is that because of music copyright situations, the a lot of those episodes are no longer available. I know. CJ was telling me about that. And I was like, fuck. I didn't – I never thought – I don't know. I figured that they would be able to – create some sort of thing but he's like man they had to take so many down it was that's so heartbreaking i'm still brainstorming a way to get them back up and for everyone um listening that is a waniac um as a little reminder uh the episodes of straight talk with ross matthews are where my music first premiered that's where um the my songs black attack and a minute with mark originated was <laughs> writing um songs for people on the show so it has a very special place in my heart and i have faith that one day there will be some way to get some of those episodes back or at least parts of them you know yeah. oh black attack was such a what a what a fucking hit that was number one for me oh my god i love that i love that song thank you and you know i really just remember the moment where um when cj joined and yeah. he uh there was the theme song already for the segment of Snack Attack. 
And mm-hmm. uh, someone said, well, we should do a Black Attack segment. And someone started singing the Snack Attack song as if it was but just replacing Snack with Black. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's something here. Um, but the original lines, just for everyone listening, was uh, it's a Snack Attack and your belly's going to be full. And I just thought, oh, my God. And they said Black. And then when CJ came on, they said Black Attack, belly's going to be full. Okay, interesting. So it gave me a lot of thoughts on on where to go creatively. And so I went with them. And then, of course, I was in love with Mark and wrote that that song for him. So that was just a that was a wild era. That it was a wild, um, uninhibited era of podcasting and podcast listening. You know, yeah, that podcast was one of my um, first uh, original situations where I really, you know, everyone really knows now that I barely listen to music. I just listen to people talk all the time, and that's you know that was part of where my my love for the art form commence so it was it was really a great thing so and the straight talkers love you will even to this day when i was looking along some of your posts doing a little research for today i mean they're still there to support you and i just love that me too i mean that's a community that's like ride or die and that's very special i remember when i first started on the show and i think ross had like posted you know a picture of me or something and then my instagram i had like you know 500 followers and then that blew up by many thousands of people and i was like what um, and, uh, you know, those people still, still follow me today. And I used to host a podcast called the motivation reports. And I ended that early during quarantine mm. and had always wanted to start a new one. And so, you know, I've been trying to also gravitate some of those listeners over to history rated R just because I know almost all, you know, at least half or more of them came from, from fans of straight talk. So it's like to be, to know that there's those, I don't know, those kinds of people in the world who really give a shit about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, especially on the days where I feel like I'm not doing anything important or a value, you know, it's like, it's really nice. I, I forget that that content really can affect people and change people in, in such a positive way. We're invested. Will. <laughs> thank okay. you. So you went from, uh, and I know a lot of this is uh, simultaneous and, and overlapping and, and such, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to miss a few moments in your life but you know you had the one uh fandom of the straight talkers and then you moved into this other fandom maybe not by consequence but like uh, or not intentionally but you're now in the the bravo world okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) you've now got the bravo holics looking at you when you start producing and working with Brandy Glanville on her podcast. I mean, do you see a difference in the fandoms? Who is more obsessed? What do you think? Um, uh, Ross is for sure. I think okay. the straight talk fans. And I and I don't really mean this for shade, but I think it's kind of no surprise. They're also a lot nicer. Not to me. I wasn't bullied by anybody, but Bravo fandom in general can be a little, they like to beat people up. You know what I mean? Like, some of the things they say about some of those women, I'm just like, God, it's a TV show. Like, give these ladies a break. But, right. you know, and I became good friends with Brandy because of that. And I just saw the way that people talked about her and the things that she said to her. And I knew her as a person, as my friend. And I was just like, people can be really cruel. And I, and a lot of those Housewives fans, I just, I think that they, they really revel in the, in the sort of cattiness of it and kind of feel like they can join in and it, and it can quickly devolve into bullying. And that's, it's tough with Ross's fan base. It's like, I don't, I don't think that was ever, I don't think that was ever an issue. And I think that, you know, everyone has 
responsibility for their own actions. But it's interesting listening to Brandy on her podcast, you know, compared to the show where I feel like, you know, she she stirs up her own stuff back then. Mm-hmm. But like on the show, it was kind of like, you know, the show is meant to be a, a hyper actualized situation. It's meant to give you the drama and stuff like that. Where when she found her podcast, it was really just a place for her to escape, speak her mind, um, mm-hmm. and almost like find peace. And I really liked listening to that side of her on the show, yeah. especially like y'all's conversations together. Yeah, well, and that's what's funny is to this day, I've never seen a single episode of any Housewives program ever. Oh the God. only one I Stop. technically have watched from start to finish, the only episode was at Brandy's house and we got so drunk I blacked out and I don't remember it. So <laughs> I've technically had an episode of Housewives on in the background, but we were fucking hammered. So, um, but I started to work with a lot of those women and meeting them as guests or some other podcasts that I became their friends and I got to know them almost wholly outside of the show because I didn't watch the show. And it was a different perspective and a different kind of relationship because I could see what they were responding to, you you know. And um, mm. for Brandy, I kind of became an accidental co-host just because she sort of needed somebody to riff off of. And then there'd be days where we didn't have guests and we would just fill the whole episode just shooting the shit. And um, it was fun. And, I, you know, I could see how those things affected her and how that world affected her. But she she knows her brand and her market and her work, you know, she's like, this is what I do. This is who I am. Like, this is what I've become known for. And it's what I'm good at, which is doing reality TV, you know, those kinds of shows. And, you know, God bless her for, for, for doing what she does best. I mean, she, she was a master at it. She was, she is a master at it. Um, you know, even going beyond housewives and, Slowly Big Brother, U.S. and U.K. and and mm-hmm. everything else. I'm I'm shocked she hasn't been on Dancing with the Stars. Can I just throw that out there? That's true. That she would be great on that. I think she'd be great, and she's always. And I know she loves to shake it a little bit. You know what I yeah. mean? She loves to get down. So okay. So I'm manifesting Brandy Glenville on Dancing with the Stars. Okay, <laughs> check, cool. And so it's crazy that you kind of found yourself in the. Um, like, you were in the Bravo world for a bit, okay? Because I don't know if you mm-hmm. follow any of the people on Instagram, but there's a whole ass community of the Bravoholics, right? And yeah. there were those, those, those times where it was interesting because you were working with Brandy on, on one end, and you were also um, still producing and doing stuff on Podcast One with, you know, like Sheena. And yeah. so there was, like... <laughs> That was that a was... whole. I mean, and I mean, I remember back back a few years ago seeing your name pop up for all these things. I'm like, why is Will popping up? What's going on here? And I'm yeah. like, no, the Bravo Holic community has got him. He's yeah. <laughs> he's one that of... was a quick a quick flash of uh, you know for me as somebody who like I said I've never seen the show. Um, right. So they were like, hey, you do really well with Brandy and with Housewives content. Like people seem to like you. And I worked on some other shows and different things and they're like would you want to produce sheena's podcast she's on this show called vanderpump rules i was like sure that sounds fine and i met her and her mom and she's very sweet and i you know just me like do, 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 do. it's a new job they've assigned me and of course like i was like before i meet her like i should do my i should do my research and i discovered like in her wikipedia page it was like she was the person that eddie sibrian cheated on brandy with and i was like oh i'm fucking dead this is it oh my god it's when over. you when you I'm, read that i'm dead i can't imagine i when my, you read that I little just, tidbit <laughs> 
<laughs> all the color drained from my face. And Brandy was in the Big Brother house at the time. And I was oh. like, oh my God, this is not, this is not going to go well. And surprise, it did not. But she never, um, she understood, she, she kind of like temporarily quit briefly because she felt like kind of be trade by podcast one which is fair you know like for her that reality and those shows and that's a big part of her life where that happened to her um it's not as easy as just being like well he's just working on a show it's just a job and you know we were friends too and so she came back eventually um and we can continue to do the show there at podcast one while i did sheena's show and then brandy um left podcast one and took her show to an indie network and i was freelancing with her while still doing sheena's show and then yes, there was a there was a moment on Watch What Happens Live where uh, she texted Andy something and he told her to tweet it, so she did, and it was something about why does you know her producer say he does this when he's my producer too, and then I got people calling me like, what the fuck did you say? And I was like, I didn't say anything. Like what? It was just very. I realized so quickly how how tough that environment can really be when you're thrown into the housewife's drama how you can get wrapped in so quickly oh my god and i was like i don't want to be part of this i didn't do you know what i mean i was like i'm just working i just want to work do the work but uh i had to that's when i had to step away from brandy's show unfortunately because it was a conflict because i was freelancing and i was working with podcast one that to keep my full-time job i had to step away from her show unfortunately no i totally feel that and you know you have to Go in the direction that's best for you, Will. Okay. And you've been going in great directions. I mean, recently uh, popping up everywhere. <laughs> Listen, from the costumes to the characters to the, the roles, <laughs> I've, I've been loving it. Uh, you know, everything from Blackish to American Crime Story, Impeachment, which is a great story to be told. Okay. And, yeah. and then to Pam and Tommy, which is a personal. Like, I have a personal affection to that story. Uh, <laughs> and, like, you popping up in, in the recent series on Hulu, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but in one of the greatest outfits. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, I'll spoil it a little bit just so I can talk about it. But I, my yes. agent, I hadn't worked because of quarantine and COVID. I, haven't, I hadn't booked a job for, like, 15 months. And I was, like, my agent sent me a text. I was, like, hey, there's an audition for this part in Pam and Tommy. It's not a speaking role and it would involve rear nudity, um, but it's like a big show in Hulu. Would you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I'm not precious about my ass. Like, it's all over Instagram, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, yeah, I just want to work. So, like, I got the audition was basically like, pretend you're having sex with somebody in a porn and then you can improv if you want. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, after the awkward part of it where I did it for pretended for real, then it cut to me. The character was called the Sheriff of Nottingham guy, which will give people an idea of the outfit that I ended up in. Um, and so I referred to myself as the Sheriff of Nottingham and just called myself that repeatedly in a terrible British accent, pretending to like have sex with somebody. And I got the job. <laughs> so I was like, cool. It's a booking for something after so long, not working. Um, and I didn't even end up showing my butt on camera. They changed the wardrobe and they they cut it out. So you know, I, well, they at least give you a good. I was outfit. ready. I, I mean, was ready. But we the were all ready for the ass, but the outfit was great. You know what I mean? It was great. And I was in that outfit all day in what's called a <laughs> modesty robe because you got to wear the. So I'm not like walking around with that on, the chainmail hood on my head the whole time. This is we're talking like a 12 hour day, 
And the, the robe that they gave me was like a winter robe for like skiing. And it was so hot that by the time we finally shot my scene, I stank so bad because I'd just been sweating oh in this God. fucking robe for 12 hours. And Taylor Schilling, who I was with in the scene, I was like, I'm so sorry, but I smell awful. And she's like, it's fine. <laughs> like, it, uh, she was very nice. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. But it was cool to play with, like, Nick Offerman and Seth Rogen. And um, that's one of those things where even if I didn't have a speaking part, you know, I still got the co-star credit. And got paid and got to work with all those people. So okay. it was, uh, was fun. Okay. Yeah. And how was that? Because you were surrounded by Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, and the others. Did mm -hmm. you have any, like, fun off-screen interactions with them? I did. My favorite moment, and this was, like, one of those little memories that I'll probably keep with me forever. Um, Seth Rogen is, like, just one of the busiest people in the world. So, he, like, in between, like, when we were breaking and stuff, he's, like, working on his laptop. And so it wasn't one of those things where, like, I felt comfortable, like, going up to the stars. And I, I typically don't when I'm working. Like, mm. I kind of do my job, and I know that the leads of shows are, like, they're in their little zone, you know, and I don't really want to fuck with them and if i was trying to stay in the zone i wouldn't want too many people to be in my space but we're there was a moment where we're in between takes and i you know my character goes up and sort of whispers something to nick offerman and then he makes this statement so we're in between takes and i'm standing there with nick offerman and he just goes hey man and i was like hey and he was like i gotta tell you it is so cool to be working with seth rogan and i was like <laughs> Yeah. He's like, my wife and I are huge fans. We had a scene where we like filmed in my office and like, he's such a great actor. I'm just like, it's so, I'm so lucky to be working with him. And I was like, I wanted to say like, you mean like how I feel having this conversation with you right now? Like it was so sweet and normal. We're Nick Offerman fanboys to me about working with Seth Rogen. And I was like, that's such a special, you know, we forget that these people as much as they work and are famous in their own right or popular in their own way, still are fans of other people. And it's like, it's such a joy to see it when like celebrities are like, I can't believe I get to work with this other celebrity. When we assume that like, you know, they're bigger than it. It's like, they're just, they're people too. They are people too. And I mean, what a great cast of honestly of people in, in yeah. that show, including yourself, you know, bringing it all together. Uh, what a great what a great telling if anyone hasn't seen pam and tommy on on hulu i highly suggest it because i got myself like caught in a little marathon last night I, after i was like watching your episode like oh let me just <laughs> let me just sit back and, and enjoy and yeah and nick even like talking about how him and his wife aka megan mullally from Wing right race are like <laughs> also a huge celebrity you know our very fans popular, very, yeah i love that Oh my gosh. And so that's some of the work you've been doing, but you also have been back in the podcast game with History Rated R. And I just had a, a few friends post on Facebook recently about how they needed some history podcasts and something that is actually educational, you know, while being fun, of course, but, you know, it's mm -hmm. really like diving deep into something that they, they really want to know about. And I feel like History Rated R is the thing. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. Like I, me and my friend Craig, uh, who's like a mentor of mine, he's 77 and I'm 34. And he calls himself an authentic conservative, which is like old school, you know, born. Conservatism is not what it used to be. Um, and I'm a like a foul mouth liberal, you know, who can opine about nonsense and it's an interesting fun dynamic because he's also like a patient guy who isn't 
what most people would think of as a conservative, like he believes in climate change and gun control and all these things that are like common sense policies. So there's enough for us to agree on, enough for us to disagree on that keeps our dynamic very unique. I think having it be like a dad and his son, almost like doing a podcast together, but he's so incredibly knowledgeable and he's written for president Ford and George HW Bush and um, worked with Lee Iacocca and a bunch of other people in politics and, and outside of politics that he's just a wealth of information. And for the most part, we would have dinner together and he would just, you know, tell these random stories about history or whatever's off the top of his head. And I am the idiot, you know, I don't remember anything at all, barely from history class. And so I was like, this would be a fun dynamic. Like I want to tell stories about history, but unpack them a little bit in that it's not just a matter of fact, like here's a story about history. And it's also not a continuing to glorify um, the problematic pieces of history because we can't do that anymore. And with things like critical race theory and, and hopefully new teaching methods for how we approach um, looking at history critically in the classroom, this is this kind of gives an adult millennial or Gen Z maybe ish outlet, you know, for people who are out of school but want to kind of readdress history in this way and sort of unpack its problems while while still having fun. So that was the that was the impetus for its conception uh, was to yeah educate and and have a laugh where possible. Well, to everyone listening, um, Will and Craig definitely don't give any passes to their subjects when they're looking back at stories from from the past and i mean everything from if you're trying to learn everything from the story of the martini to presidential <laughs> feuds and um abe lincoln's sexuality you're going to get it all oh, yeah. and I, I really love that i learned a few things um i'm still scared of abraham lincoln i have this innate fear of him i don't know where it came from <laughs> just like the way he looks this, yeah like, weird, no, every time i see a five dollar giant yeah every time i see a five dollar bill i literally get the shivers so i don't he know if that's some looking. some past life shit or or what's going on there okay <laughs> but you know maybe i'll, I'll learn about it on history rated r which is will's latest podcast will it has been such a pleasure to have you here today oh my gosh it's been my pleasure thank you for having me and to everyone listening please make sure you're following will on instagram at will sterling underscore um he will lead you to all of his different projects on the gram i will definitely make sure to link to those his current podcast and more on the episode description for what you're listening to right now and make sure you are giving five stars and good reviews to the Wayne Holtz podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now and wherever you find your pods. And I appreciate your time. Tell your friends and your gay uncle. Goodbye. The sound for this episode was produced and engineered by Nick Shane. When it comes to looks and smarts, I'll give you five out of five kisses. Every time I hear you mock, I wish that I can be your missus. Let me rise to the occasion. I'll photo you at the radio station in my headphones. Your voice will be playing.